Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Lord, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be holy and acceptable and glorifying to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. It would be an understatement to say that it's been a difficult week, not only in the life of our church community, but also in the life of our nation and around the world. Sure, sin, suffering, and death are a part of daily life throughout all the world. But when it hits home, it reminds us of the reality that we are not in control of our lives. It forces us to make meaning of our faith, what we say we believe about God and ourselves, and the world in the midst of tragedy. And we are angry and are asking so many difficult questions right now. In light of the shootings in Texas, we're all angry. In light of the shootings in New York, in California, the wars that continue to rage in Ukraine, in Afghanistan, in Ethiopia, in Yemen, COVID continues and hatred and killing and abuse inside and outside the church top our collective news feeds. So I'm going to be honest with you. I am coming to you today a bit weary. I am tired. I'm emotionally exhausted, and I'm heartbroken. And in so many ways, I am literally at a loss for words. For the past few weeks, I've been struggling to make meaning of today's passage in Acts in light of all that we've had to endure. And in my wrestling with God, I began to ask, is there a word from you, Lord? And if so, God, you're going to have to speak it loud and clear. You're going to have to answer loud because I'm having difficulty discerning. And so as I began to pray and read and lament, and write and have conversations and thanks to some in this room rewrite the term life began to surface in my mind and heart and i believe this is the word god has for us this morning life it was confirmed this morning about 20 minutes ago as we were praying as clergy and the sound team and the worship team as Father Jeff Weber and Amelia, our worship leader, prayed over me and over our group. And they spoke words of life about life that would give life. So I don't think I'm alone when I say that I really do believe that God wants to speak life into us this morning. So let us pray and ask God to do just that. Father, we are weary We are broken, we are broken people. Death surrounds us and we need life. And so we pray God that you would not only give us abundant life, but that you in and through the power 
and the presence and the life of your Holy Spirit, that you would enliven us, that we would be life in this world, that we would be salt in this world, that we would be light in life. God, again, I pray that you would bless the meditations of my heart, that you would attend the ears of all of our hearts to your word and to the life therein. We pray this in your holy name, Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. So in his commentary on Acts, theologian Willie James Jennings, just sounds like an awesome name, doesn't it? Uh, He describes Acts as the drama of life. The drama of life of God and humanity together oriented toward abundant life. It's God on the ground, working and moving in and through the fabric of daily life, through struggle of blood and pain, tragedy, suffering, loss, and longing, and even death. Acts reveals God at work. Acts reveals God working, God moving, God creating the dawn that will break each day, putting into place a holy repetition that speaks of the willingness of God to invade our every day and our every moment. Acts reveals God working, God moving, God creating, God alive, living, and active in the life of the world and in his church. Acts is not just some historical account. It's about life. It's about life in the presence, power, and the life of the Spirit. It's about how God acts in the life of the world and the church in and through the life of his Spirit. It is about God's activity in the past, unfolding in a future and making intelligible a present reality of life in the Spirit. History is now according to Acts. The Spirit of God has come to empower witness within the body of Christ, the church, a living witness in the world, the church, a sign and a sacrament of the kingdom of God that is and is to come, a kingdom opposed to sin and death, a kingdom opposed to violence, a kingdom opposed to the seduction of power and abuse, a kingdom opposed to exclusivity based on race and gender and all the social and economic norms and hierarchies that oppress and marginalize and objectify and dehumanize others. It is in Acts that we get a glimpse of the ways in which God, through this new community, interrupts all of that. Acts presents a divine disruption to life as we know it revealing to us how faith can be found in the midst of a fragmented world marked by sin, suffering, and death. Acts reveals God's desire for life, for the life of the world that is and is to come. And the life that God desires is abundant life, in and through the presence and the power and the life of the Holy Spirit. This life and all that it entails is made possible by God because God's Son, Jesus Christ, is and has ascended. 
As Christians, we often think about the cross. We sing about it a lot. And the hope of the resurrection, as we should. But often what gets lost is a theology of the ascension. And what that means for us now and in the future. In fact, the ascension is one of the most neglected doctrines of Christian faith. But without the ascension, we would have no hope. Without the ascension, we would have no hope in salvation, no assurance of salvation, no high priestly praying for us by Jesus, no hope for final and bodily consummation, the renewal of all things in Christ Jesus. So the ascension, beyond just signifying that Jesus is above all and beyond being the means by which he left this earth in front of a bunch of eyewitnesses to see, the ascension provides for us a multitude of so many other hopes and assurances that without which we would be left to our own undoing and demise. In other words, the ascension is not just an addendum to the story of Jesus. It is one of the great essential salvation events. The ascension of the Lord Jesus is the inauguration of the kingdom of God over the whole creation. But as centered in Christ, it is the kingdom of Christ Jesus. In other words, Christ's ascension is the ground of our hope. It is the ground of any and all comfort and assurance that you and I might have or claim to have. In fact, there would be no Acts 2 through 28. There would be no New Testament if Jesus had not ascended because Christian faith and ministry are the direct consequences of what happened to Jesus as God, the Holy Spirit, joins us to him to share in his life and therefore also in his ministry. It is the ascended Christ who sends us the Holy Spirit the comforter, that we may receive and live life abundantly for the world to see and believe. The ascension of Jesus Christ is the essential condition of what it means to have life in Christ and to live our lives in light of the life that we have been given in and through the power and presence and life of the Holy Spirit. And what does this life in Christ mean? What does it actually entail? I'm glad you asked. In Acts, it means that the church will be empowered to be a living witness in the way of Jesus. In the face of empire. In Acts, it means the church will be empowered to be a living witness in the way of Jesus in the face of nationalistic fantasies. In Acts, it means that the church will be empowered to be a living witness in the way of Jesus in the face of persecution and communal suffering and pain and loss, even martyrdom and death. In Acts, it means the church coming alive by the fire of the Holy Spirit through an eruption of hope that empowered them to take the gospel to the streets of Jerusalem and eventually throughout the ends of the earth. In Acts, it means a way of life where the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile is no more. A way of life marked by the welcome and inclusion and the belonging of outsiders into a shared way of life. 
a community where the outsider and the marginalized, the least and the lost are valued and seen as indispensable to the body as a whole without which the body would suffer. In Acts, it means the church understanding that what they believe about God had purchase on their lives. They held all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. They gave up their rights to their rights for the sake of others. And the world around them In Acts, it means the church becoming more and more and more, even more radical and generous in their hospitality to one another, their neighbors, and even their enemies in a time of unwelcome. And while it was expected to care for the poor of one's family or tribe, Christians' promiscuous help given to all poor, even of other races and religions, was unprecedented. During the plagues, Christians characteristically did not flee. They stayed in the cities and they cared for the sick and the dyings of all groups, often at the cost of their own lives. In Acts, it means a church known for being a community of forgiveness and reconciliation. Christians were often excluded and criticized but they were also actively persecuted, imprisoned, attacked, and killed. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Christians taught forgiveness and withheld retaliation against opponents. In a shame and honor culture in which vengeance was expected, this was unheard of. Christians didn't ridicule ridicule or taunt their opponents, let alone repay them with violence. In Acts, it means a church empowered to stand boldly in the face of all religious, all social, and all economic authorities, calling them to account for the recurring injustices of the day, proclaiming to them that salvation is only through one person, one name, Jesus Christ. In Acts, it means the church fighting for unity in the midst of a fragmented world marked by racial and ethnic and class divisions. The early church was multi-ethnic. The early church was multi-racial, and they experienced a unity across those ethnic and racial boundaries. That was startling. In Acts, it means the church discovering over and over and over again that the hope that they profess and confess is a living hope, sustained by a living God in and through a life-giving spirit. In Acts 1, we discover this morning that it is all because of the ascension of Jesus Christ that the church came alive. The church comes alive because Jesus ascended. And he sent one to them in Acts 2 that they might have life that gives life, that gives life. The ascension of Jesus Christ is the essential condition of what it means to have life in Christ and to live our lives in the light of that life. In other words, the ascension of Jesus Christ makes Christian faith and faithfulness possible. 
If Jesus is not ascended, then he is not fully risen. If Jesus is not ascended, then he is not fully reigning at the right hand of God the Father, and we are not joined to his life and our lives, our faith, and all of this is in vain. Christian faith and ministry would not be possible if Jesus Christ had not ascended. I think it's worth saying again that there would be no Acts 2 through 28. There would be no New Testament if Jesus had not ascended because Christian faith and ministry are the direct consequences of what happened to Jesus as God, the Holy Spirit, joins us to him to share in his life and therefore in his ministry. So the ascension had to occur for the birth of the church at Pentecost to become a reality. Because Jesus ascended, the promise of God which the prophets foretold was fulfilled. God pouring out his Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Union with God and the life we share now in his life is made possible through Jesus' ascension. And the life we share with God is a life to be lived for the sake of others. The ascension marks the conclusion of Jesus Christ's work on earth, but also it marks a fresh beginning, Christ reigning in his active ministry in and through the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of his body. You and I, the church, at his ascension, Jesus not only promises the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon them, but he puts the promise into perspective. If you have your Bibles, look in Acts 1, verses 4 through 8. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus puts the promise into perspective, and he does so by showing the relative importance between the promise that is given, the Holy Spirit, and the ones to whom the promise is given, the church, which is found in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. The significance of God's promise lies in the empowerment of proclamation. Witness that is living a faith that is lived. In the same way the Holy Spirit empowered and instructed and guided and enabled Jesus to fulfill the mission of God, the promise of God's Spirit to the church is not given to be received as an end, as a possession in and of itself, but rather as a life-giving source for Christian faith and living witness. In other words, the Holy Spirit is given to the church for the purpose of joining with God on mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
This is the story of Acts. This is the story that unfolds throughout the book of Acts, a story filled with the apostles and the early church being filled, being empowered, being instructed, being guided, being emboldened and enabled to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the ends of the earth against all odds. But let's not neglect a vital point that Jesus makes in verse 8. Namely, that you will be my witnesses. You, Max, Amelia, Andrew, Morgan, even Jason Myers. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. The ascension means that Jesus has a continuing ministry. He presents us to the Father. He intercedes for us. He sends us the Holy Spirit to join us to his life, to his ministry, to the glory of the Father and for the sake of the world. In so many ways, the ascension speaks to the heart of Christian faith and faithful ministry because Jesus' ascension makes possible communion with the living Lord. This means sharing in his life. This means sharing in his purposes. And in sharing in his life's purposes is the reason why the disciples had to be called away from staring up in amazement at where they last saw Jesus. You see, they weren't looking for the wrong person They were simply looking in the wrong place because all that Jesus began to do and teach, Acts 1-1, doesn't end with the ascension. The church continues to proclaim, to teach, to love, and to serve Jesus and to serve others in his name, which is to say that the ascension isn't just for the early church. It's for Christ's church, of which we are a part In the work of the Spirit, we encounter Jesus and what Jesus continues to do. We're not left staring at where Jesus used to be, whether in history or in our own life experiences or in our own settled opinions and interpretations. Because Jesus ascended, we continue to encounter Jesus through word and sacrament, through the fellowship of the church, through ministry with the poor and the oppressed, the lost and the least, the downtrodden and the weary, remembering that the mystery of the gospel is not that Jesus came to serve the poor, but that he became poor and oppressed. Because Jesus ascended, we, the church, are able to continue to be living witnesses in the way of Jesus Christ, in the face of empire, in the face of nationalistic fantasies and persecution and communal suffering, pain and loss, even martyrdom and death if required. Because Jesus ascended, we, the church, are able to continue to live as an eruption of hope within this world, within our homes, within our communities. Because Jesus ascended, we, the church, are able to continue to break down those walls of hostility within ourselves and all around us. We are able to foster unity in the midst of a fragmented world marked by racial and ethnic and class divisions. Because Jesus ascended, we, the church, 
are able to be and become a community marked by the welcome and the inclusion and the belonging of the outsider into our common life. A community where the outsider and the marginalized and the least and the lost are valued and indispensable to our body, without which we are nothing. Because Jesus ascended church, we, we the church are able to humble ourselves even if it means giving up our rights to our rights for the sake of others and for the world around us. Because Jesus ascended, we, the church, are able to be and become more and more, even more radically generous in our hospitality to one another, to our neighbors, and even to those we make our enemies. Because Jesus ascended, we, the church, are able to forgive and pursue reconciliation with one another. Because Jesus ascended, we the church are able to stand boldly in the face of any and all religious, even our own social economic authorities, calling them to account for the recurring justices of the day, proclaiming to them over and over and over that salvation is not in Wall Street. It's not in your retirement or your pension. It's not in anything except the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus' ascension makes intelligible our hope in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of sin and doubt, in the midst of the seduction of power and suffering and tragedy and loss, in the midst of death. Acts is not only about that church coming alive. It's about God breathing into your life, life that you might live life, that you might give life, that you might produce life. Jesus' ascension makes Christian faith, Christian life, faithfulness possible. Jesus' ascension gives life. Life in the presence and power of God's Holy Spirit. Life abundantly. Life that gives life for in him, Acts 17, 28 says, we live we move, and we have our being. Church, for these reasons, we can and should celebrate the ascension with loud shouts of praise and thanksgiving. So may our ascended Lord, sisters and brothers, continue to reign and rule in and through you and I, through us, as we continue to strive to excel still more so that when he returns, we might be found living and faithful. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.